Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us for this time today. We hope that this message will encourage you, build your faith, and help you thrive with God and thrive in life. Now to the message. We're in a series we're calling Faith to Thrive. This whole, uh, this month we've been talking about faith to thrive. Um, now, uh, if you missed the last few messages, don't fear, don't worry. You shouldn't hit the waves, but don't worry. Hey, you can catch up on um, YouTube. You can listen on the podcast. But today, uh, I'm excited about what we're going to talk about. Today, we're going to talk about um, and look at one of the most well-known miracles Jesus has done. Um, it is one of the maybe most famous ones. It's recorded in all four Gospels. Um, and even though this account, maybe you know it. You're like, oh, I know this one as soon as I say it. Or maybe this is something new to you and you're like, I've never heard this before. Well, great. Um, I want to encourage you today that I believe there's something in there that we can catch and, and that we can act on that will actually build our faith. That in this account, there's something we can catch and act on. So I want to encourage you to lean in as we dive in. Uh, the title of my message today is uh, the question. The question. Now, in John 6, we find a crowd of people who followed Jesus. A crowd of people who followed Jesus into the middle of nowhere. In the, in, in the middle of nowhere, um, and Jesus, they've, they heard about Jesus. They've seen him healing the sick, doing miracles. So they're like, they want to see Jesus. So they're following Jesus, and he is in the middle of nowhere. He's not by any towns. He's not by any, like, um, you know, shops. He's in the middle of nowhere. And all these people, Jesus is healing the sick. The Bible accounts that there is actually uh, 5,000. It's known as the feeding of the 5,000. Now, when it was recorded, actually at the time in culture, they only ever recorded the men who were there. It was a cultural thing that at the time, they only counted the men. So there were 5,000 men, plus women, plus children. So um, accounts probably, uh, theologians say, anywhere between fifteen to 20,000 people at this, uh, at following Jesus. So there is this large crowd. It's big. Uh, they're in the middle of nowhere, and Jesus is speaking. He's healing people. He's moving, and it's starting to get late. It's starting to get late. And Jesus says to his disciples, hey, um, uh, where are we going to get food for these guys? Some people, uh, one disciple says, listen, if we had a year's salary, Jesus, we couldn't feed them all. Another one said, listen, not our problem. Send them away. Like, send them away. They can figure it out. And, and then Andrew uh, uh, actually comes up to Jesus. And here there's a question in the text that was asked that we'll see that I believe actually kept some people, that other people in that time asked as well, that kept them out of this account. And the question I believe actually is maybe a question we answer today, the question. We're going to pick it up. So Andrew's coming to Jesus. There's 20,000 people. John 6, verse 8. Here's what it says. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? 
Then Jesus says, tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterwards, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. They were stuffed. They all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. Did you catch the question in that portion of scripture? Andrew said, but what good is this? What good is this little lunch in comparison to this big need? What good is this little lunch in comparison to this big need? And now we know what happened is Jesus took the lunch of that little boy in his hands. It became more than enough. Everybody got filled, fed to the full. Some people were waddling out because they ate probably way too much. They're like, okay, next time I'm seeing Jesus, I'm wearing my stretchy pants, right? Like, um, but so they were fed to the full. But as I was reading this, I, I, I asked this question. I don't know, maybe you've ever, you've, you've asked this. Is I wondered, was the little boy the only person who decided to bring a lunch that day? Like out of 20,000 people, was this little kid the only one who had the forethought of like, oh, I'm going to bring some food with me. I'm going to bring some food. Like statistically speaking... I think there would have been other people who brought food with them. Like even if 1%, give me 1%, even if 1% of 20,000 um, brought food, that's 200 people. You're like, Josiah, 20,000 isn't even a Bible. Yeah, that's half my point. He was excluded, only 5,000. But say 1% of 5,000, 50 people. 50 people who had food. But why was it only the boy who came forward? Why was it the, only the boy? Because I believe there, there were other people in that crowd who had food. I think others looked at what they had and asked the same question that Jesus' disciple Andrew asked. They looked at what they had, looked at the crowd. What good is this seeing the crowd. What good is this? And what good is this? What good is what I have then kept people from coming forward and offering Jesus what they had? That others, I think they disqualified themselves or sidelined themselves by asking this question, what good do I have compared to what is out there. What, what, what can I add? I only have so much. And it kept them out of being in the account that we read in John 6 about feeding of the 5,000. The little boy, he wasn't, I don't believe he was the only one who had, had food, but the little boy was the only one who offered Jesus what he had. The little boy was the only one who offered Jesus what he had. Uh, 
you know, in a crowd of 2,000 people, it was the little boy who wasn't even counted in the official count who took what he had and said, could this be of use? Childlike faith giving what he had into the hands of Jesus, even when it wasn't enough. I think at times we can ask the same question that Andrew asked when looking at our life and what we have. What good is what I have? What good is what I have compared to the needs that I see? What good is what I have compared to um, God's kingdom? Like, how could he use this in his kingdom? What good is what I have to offer? And through this question, I think we can do ourselves, we can disqualify ourselves or take ourselves to the sideline and sit in the sideline where God actually has something for you. See, because the truth is God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He's got a good plan, a hope, a future. As long as you are breathing, he has a plan for you. And it's bigger than you. That's why it's a God plan, not a you plan. Right? Uh, you are called to be an ambassador for Christ. The hands and feet of Jesus. To bear much fruit. That you, would, that you were designed and created to do good works. Throughout scripture, we see there's a call on your life. We are called to action. So the question, what good is what I have? Or what good is this? I think it can sideline us and remove us from out of what God is trying to do in our lives and through our lives. When God says, be a light in the world, be a kingdom builder, be a world changer, be the hands and feet, be the man I've called you to be, be the woman I've called you to be. You know, and then we can say, what good are my talents and my skills? That, how could God use this? What good is this action? It's so small. What good in the grand scheme of things could it be? What good are my resources compared to what needs to be done? What good is my job for the kingdom? What good is that? What good is me being in the room? What good is that? What good is if I give even so small? And you can fill in the blank. You can, what good is, we all have our own. And we can have the question, what good is this? And maybe this question comes from not feeling we have enough that's required. As, as Andrew saw when he was looking at the food, looking at the crowd, looking at the food, looking at the crowd, crowd food, and he said, what good is this? And, you know, the truth is, in our own strength, that statement is true. If we're trying to do things on our own, in our own strength, that statement is true. What good is this? But see, you're not called to do this alone. You're not called to walk in the plans, the purposes God has for you alone. That, that you're actually called to do life with Christ, to do life in Christ. That you're empowered by his spirit. Not by might, not by my power, but by his spirit. See, there's a call for a way for you to live. See, if that little boy just kept his lunch in his hands, what Andrew said would have been true. 
if he just kept, if that little boy just kept it in his hands, what Andrew said would have been true. What good is this seeing the crowd? But it didn't stay. That's not what happened. It didn't stay in the little boy's hands. The little boy gave what seemingly was little into the hands of Jesus. And when he gave it to the hands of Jesus, it became more than enough. Not just enough, it became more than enough. But I believe Andrew and the rest of the crowd saw what they had in comparison to the need that was there. It looked a little. What good is this in this huge crowd? And through the little boy's actions, we can see he approached this same question, but from a different perspective, from a point of faith. Looking at his little lunch, he said, what good can this be in the hands of Jesus? What good can this be in the hands of Jesus? Same lunch Andrew was looking at, but a different perspective, a perspective of faith. See, faith doesn't look at what you have uh, and compare it to the need. Faith looks at what you have in the hands of Jesus. What can this be in the hands of Jesus? What can God do when I give him this into his hands? Just as in this account, when we give what we have into the hands of Jesus, Jesus takes it, uses it to meet needs and for more than enough. When we bring our talent, our skills, and place it into his hands. When we take our resources and we place it into his hands. When we take what, what we own, when we take our, our finances, we place those into his hands. When we take our job and we place that into his hands. When we, when we take our life and place it into his hands. God takes what you have and what's on your own, not enough or seemingly not enough, and turns it into more than enough. In his hands, he uses you, uh, what you give, what you do, what your life, to make an impact and to be part of his story. Another place where this question, have you ever asked that question, what good is this? Maybe not verbally, but you thought it, like, what good is this? Like, all right, let's not do this. Another place I I think this comes from, this questioning ourselves comes from and sidelining ourselves can be from what others have spoken into our lives. What others have said or disqualified us. Uh, Maybe in their speech, in their action. uh, Maybe they say, no, what you do or what you say does not count. And then you start approaching life and what God has placed in your hands the same way. You start asking that same question. What good is this? What good is this? But what I find fascinating in this story, in this account of the 5,000, it, it really, which is 20,000, is that a little boy who was not counted by society, who was actually counted out by others because he wasn't in the 5,000 because he wasn't counted, it was only the men, who did not count who was overlooked, who was passed by, literally, was the one person whose faith 
and action in Jesus, giving what he had into Jesus' hands, caused 20,000 people to experience the goodness and the miracle of God. That it was one boy who, who others said, uh, mm, you're not, uh, okay, one, two, oh, there you are. We're just going to skip all that. Three, four. The one who actually got excluded out, the one who actually in the official header in your Bible that says 5,000 was not even counted in that, is the one who by faith gave what he had into the hands of Jesus and God took it. See, you don't need others to count you in to live a life of significance and impact with Jesus. You don't need the stamp of someone else before Jesus. Even if someone counted you out, maybe it was someone close to you, maybe it was someone who you trusted counted you out, what others are counting, one, two, skip me, three, four, if others are counting, that does not matter. What matters is when you put your life, what you have, into the hands of Jesus. God, use me. Use my life. Use what I have. And just watch how God will use you. How he, maybe others at first have not counted you in, but we don't hear anything about the other 5,000. There's just a number, but we hear about this little boy. Others may have counted you out, but know what? This is who you are. You've been saved, you've been called, and you've been appointed by God. You've been saved by Jesus. You've been called by God, and you've been appointed or placed here by God. Paul wrote to Timothy, he wrote this in 2 Timothy 9 uh, th these are the verses. Uh, sorry, guys, I totally did not give you the, um, the chapter. I'll give it to you later. But in verse 9, it says this. It says, He uh, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to the works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. But now has been revealed by the appearing of the Lord Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality uh, to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher to the Gentiles. So here in this scripture, we see Paul, he's saying this. He said, I was called, I was saved, and I was appointed. Today, you were saved by Jesus. If not, hey, there's an opportunity later. Jesus paid for your life. All you need to do is say yes to him. You were called by him and you've been appointed or placed where you are for a purpose. You have a purpose on this earth. God has a plan for you. And know what? what is in your hands? Everything comes from him. So don't discount what you have because that's what God gave you for what you are called to do. That is the giftings that God has put in your hands. See, it's not a coincidence you're here on this earth. It's not a coincidence that you're in Calgary. It's not a coincidence that you're here today. It's not a coincidence that, oh, I just, I'm now following Jesus. No, God actually chose you. He's chose you and he called you. Jesus chose you to produce lasting fruit. Hey, online, come on. You are chosen by God. 
You are for a purpose. God has a purpose for you. In John 15, 16, Jesus says this, you did not choose me. Oh, I didn't? No, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father uh, will give you whatever you ask for using my name. See, Jesus chose you and he's appointed you. You were chosen by him. When we, uh, I think another thing where we get this question, where we question ourselves, what good is this? Uh, is, is, is this, is when we look at others around us and we say, what good is this seeing what they have? What good is this seeing what they have? What good is this when they are a better singer than I am? What good is this when they are a uh, more business-minded than I am? What good is it when they have a better personality or they can just talk with people? What is that? Come on. Or what good is this when, when, they, when they do this? What good is it when they... And we can start discounting ourselves. We can discounting ourselves when we compare ourselves. However, this isn't how Jesus operates. This is not how Jesus operates. He's not, he's not going up to one to the other. See, I think the question we should be asking is what good is this when I'm in the hands of Jesus? What good is this when I'm in the hands of Jesus? What good could this be when, I'm, when I give it to the hands of Jesus? What, and know what good it is? It will produce lasting fruit. Fruit from that little boy. You know that little boy? We talked about him earlier. When he gave his lunch, you know what? It didn't just impact those 5,000 men and the other 15,000 people. It, it didn't even just impact the disciples there. Today, we are still talking about it. It impacts people for thousands of years later by that little boy acting in faith and giving what he had into the hands of Jesus. Giving into the hands of Jesus. You know, I like this. is When it comes to comparing ourselves, that's not how Jesus operates. And we see this in, in Mark 12. We see Jesus, he's sitting in the temple beside the treasury. And he's watching people give. Um, and he's watching people give. And we'll pick this up in verse 41. Now Jesus sat opposite to the treasury and saw how the people put out money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw two mites, which makes a quadrant. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Surely I say to you that this poor widow has put more than all those who had given uh, to the treasury. For they all put out of their abundance, but she put... Uh, she. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. See, Jesus isn't looking for us to give the same. He's not looking for us to give the same as someone else or to be the same as someone else. He's looking for you to give what you have. He's not looking for um, equal giving. He's looking for equal sacrifice. He's looking for an equal sacrifice of your talents, your skills, your resources, giving what you have into his hands. The sacrifice Jesus is looking for 
is for us to surrender our life to him, our life to him. Matthew 10, 39 says this, those who cling to their lives will give up true life, but those who let go of their lives for my sake and surrender it all to me will discover true life. You know, I think today Jesus is asking for more than just your lunch. He's asking for more than just what you have. He's asking more than just your money. He's asking for everything. He's asking for your life. For your life. And when you give everything to him in surrendering it to him, that as the scripture says, that you will find more than what you gave. That you'll find true life in him. There'll be fulfillment, peace, purpose, joy, adventure. Like a walk of faith definitely is not boring. It's like, okay, God, this is exciting. You better come through. This is you, right? What good is this? What good is my life surrendered to the hands of Jesus? It produces lasting fruit, kingdom impact, and I believe that you experience true life. There's a life of abundance in every area as we surrender to him. Like John 10.10 says, that Jesus, he says, come, give you life and life to the full. Abundant life. You know, after those 20,000 people were full, were waddling away, we see that, read on, that there was 12 baskets left. 12 baskets. That's not enough in the hands of Jesus became not just enough, but more than enough. And I wonder what happened to those baskets. Because it wasn't wasted. I personally believe this. Is that little boy at least got one. He came in with a little, little lunch, going home like this, carrying it home. When he gave what he had into the hands of Jesus, it became more than enough. And he experienced supernatural abundance. And I believe that's your portion, my portion. As you look at what you have in your hands, your life, and you say, what good is this in the hands of Jesus? And you surrender by faith. I believe that's what you'll experience. Can I encourage you with this? Is to give your life what you have into his hands. Watch how God works in your life. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for the Thrive Church Podcast. We hope this message encouraged you, built your faith, and helped you thrive with God and thrive in life. We would love to see you on a Sunday soon, in person or online. You can get all the information at thrivecalgary.ca. If you would like to support a partner with Thrive Church financially, you can do so by going to thrivecalgary.ca and click the Give button. Know God is for you. We love you and have a great week.